Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Garth Ball. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Jess and Cam, awesome stuff this, with those offering and communion messages. I feel like there's already so much that we've received. And it's always great when, you know, you prepare a message. Uh, a few thoughts that I had for this Sunday and the two people that get up before you cover a whole bunch of that already. So I think it's a clear, it's always good to know you're on the right track and that God's speaking to his people you didn't just have too much pizza one night and you woke up the next morning thinking it was a divine revelation from heaven, but alas, it wasn't. It was delusion. And uh, so, in the, for, you know, confirmed with three people that what God wants to say to us this morning is, uh, is good. Um, I'm not going to be preaching the whole time. I've got my incredible, beautiful wife, Jamie, is going to be jumping up shortly and uh, sharing some things. But I did want to touch on that theme that Cam was talking about of victory. I believe that it is a theme, a word that God wants us to grab hold of this year. I think that for a few reasons. One, as I was just spending some time in prayer Friday morning, I felt God was speaking to me about things about that. And uh, then I remembered a word that Pastor Phil sent out to the C3 Tugra team, and it was about that same thing as well, about living above circumstances and having victory. And then I said to Kevin this morning, what are you sharing on? He said, victory. And so I think there's just this common theme that God's speaking to people's hearts, that there is a place in your life that is victorious that God is calling you to live in. And so I want to touch a bit on that just really briefly this morning, but I also want to touch on what I spoke about last week about evangelism. And I want to sort of mix those two in for a short time and then ask Jamie to come up and give some of her thoughts about some practical how-tos of evangelism. How do we, in our culture right now today, do this thing that the Bible talks about? Uh, so, so let's do that. So let's just recap last week. First of all, I believe this is Bree's. Is this your first service back this year, Bree? No. Say, so, oh. But I just want to welcome Bree and Johnny because they were away for so long that um, I miss them. And it's so good seeing them in the flesh. So Facebook's great when you can't see someone face to face, but seeing you guys back in action is so good to have you here. And everyone, so good to see all of you. Last Sunday morning, spoke about evangelism. And for those of you who have been missing my iPad presentations, fear not, we are back in action this morning. And I'm even going to do some handwriting for you as well. So for those of you who don't know, my mum's a teacher, I was a teacher, and she walked into my classroom one holiday period, and she looked at the board and she said, all right, come over here, son. It's time for some handwriting lessons. This is not good enough to be setting the example to your students. And so I started using a projector and computer instead. (laughs) But for you, you're getting it firsthand right here. Evangelism. Does anyone remember what I said evangelism was last week? Interaction. Audience, studio interaction right now. Anyone? Sorry? Being witnesses. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Four words. Starts with introducing, ends with people to Jesus. Oops. See, that's how good it is. Introducing people to Jesus. It's not weird. Like, if you, if you know someone that is awesome, you want other people to know them. Like, Evan was awesome. So Jess, you've got to meet this guy. He's amazing. Let's introduce you to. It wasn't up to Jamie and I or anyone to make them hit it off, just like it's not your responsibility to make people believe in Jesus. All you can do is say, Evan, Jess, Jesus, Doug, you know, see what happens. And, and in different terms, of course. But uh, all you can do is introduce people to each other. I mean, there's a lot of single ladies here this morning that if you were smart, single men, you would ask for an introduction and we'd be happy to make those introductions. But that is evangelism. We, sometimes we read the Bible, what's, what's evangelism? It's introducing people to Jesus. Then I spoke about three sad excuses that I've used to not introduce people to Jesus. Does anyone remember what any of those were? Lisa, too busy. Number one, you are top of the class so far, Lisa. Five house points to you. Too busy, too busy to, to firstly introduce people and too busy to hang around people that need introducing too. And, you know, I went through how that wasn't a good enough excuse at the end of the day and we prioritize and we give time to what we value. Second one, does anyone else remember any of the others? Lisa is on fire, but I'm going to go over here. Mel. Exactly. Um, you don't have the answers. You're not smart enough or you don't have the... the the great answers to all these questions, you know, let's talk about evolution and let's talk about, you know, all these I don't have a, a great huge amount of answers for that. That's okay. As uh, Phil said, it's not, we're not called to be lawyers. We're not called to be uh, teachers, judges. We're called to be witnesses. Just say, this is what has happened in my world. And uh, that is the greatest thing that we can do to introduce people. Third thing, anyone, Evo? You're all over this. We don't want to be Bible bashers. And that's good. That is a very good thing. You don't want to be. Trust me. Uh, I spoke about how there's some people that you'd love to actually Bible bash who are Bible bashers. And you get out your big amplified study Bible and give them the biggest hit that you can. Because that's not doing anyone a favor by bringing a doom and gloom message or a, you know, unloving witness. We read in... 1 Peter 3, that it said, be ready to give the reason for the hope that you profess, but do it in a gentle way. And so we spoke about needing to be loving and gentle in our witnesses. Now, uh, in the evening service as well, if you weren't here, we watched, as Ev said, the Holy Ghost movie, which is a movie created by a guy that wanted to direct the movie completely led by the Holy Spirit. And so they got up they prayed, said, Holy Spirit, where do you want us to go today? And they just followed that and videoed it and documented it. And they saw some incredible things, incredible healings, people coming to Christ. I know uh, for those of you who are 80s, 90s children as well, the band Korn, uh, two of their members are Christians. And they now, from that, in that video, they went out with this guy and they were witnessing to people before their shows. People were lining up to get into their shows and they're praying for healing for people, having small huddles, saying, who else wants to give their life to Jesus? And 
It was just amazing. You know, you'd think a guy, people like that have a lot to lose. Maybe they could worry about offending people and ticket sales could go down. But they, it said that they still do that to this day. Before and after the shows, they go and just make it known that they are Christians and that Jesus is the answer to the uh, lost hope of humanity. And I just think that's amazing. And so we've been encouraged last week that we can be bold, we can be loving, and we really can do what the Bible has called us to do. And we looked at scriptures and the fact that the, the responsibility is with us to make known the reason for the hope that we have. We are called to make disciples of all nations. Not just me, not just Pastor Phil and Julie, not just the person sitting next to you. You. It's your responsibility. Uh, yes, you, 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 everyone. We are called to share our faith and make a difference in this world. And so all those reasons were attempting to help you understand maybe why you haven't done that. Because I think if we can understand why we're not doing it, then we can put things into place that help us actually do do it. And so if you have been a little bit motionless in this area, fear not, because it's a brand new year and today's a brand new day. And heck, if you're stuffed up this morning, right now is a brand new minute. And that's a beautiful thing about Jesus. New Year's are great. A lot of people think a new year's a great time to make a new start, and that's wonderful. But what happens for those of us who have, you know, stuffed up on the 1st of January? I remember one year, Jamie and I, we made a healthy eating, you know, one of those resolutions. And then on the way back from the fireworks, about 12.30, we went Macca's drive through And it, it took like 30 minutes to just throw it out the window and get straight into it. You might be one of those this morning. Maybe you had all the intention to start well in different areas of your life, but it's a new minute right now that you can jump into all that God has for you. And that's the case for evangelism as well. The good news is it doesn't take long to get back into it. I know I was off the bandwagon a bit over Christmas. You know, the eating was not as it probably has been before that. And now, I don't know about you, but all you crave is just junk. You, know, you start eating bad, and now all you can think about is eating that stuff. And so you need to just get back yourself into a habit of the right things, and then before long, it's going to be like you never stopped. So just like evangelism, if you haven't been stepping out in that, it might take you a little while to find your feet, but we need to make this a lifestyle, not just a fad when we do a few preachers on it. I find a lot of topics in church, we get excited when the preacher preaches about it for a while. Maybe we talk about prayer, and then the prayer meetings are full, and then we stop, and it's and they empty, or we talk about evangelism, and you're out there, you're sharing your faith, and then we move on to another theme, and you sort of forget about it, but like Jess was saying, what we need to do is grow into maturity to make a new lifestyle, not just a fad diet. It's not just the latest thing when things go wrong, is that, oh, you know, we need to quick action stations, guys, let's put something into practice and make a change, and then it goes. We need to create a lifestyle of doing these things, and I just have this sort of phrase that I thought might help you. It says this, that your Christian practices should be the result of your passions or your principles and not just your pain. That means that the practices, the things that we do, our giving, our evangelism, our prayer life, our Bible reading, our turning up to church, these things that we're called to do, ideally they are the result of your passion, that you want to do it. That, you, that you're passionate about. Like Jesus said, 
My, my nourishment comes from, from doing the work that God has called me to do. Ideally, that's the response. We're here this morning because, you know, I can't wait to get here. Not because I have to, but the next best thing to that, in my opinion, is principles. That at least if you don't want to do it, you do it because you know you should, you know it's right, and that as you do that, eventually the passion will follow. I think that's like the bottom line that as a mature Christian we live by, the principles of the Word of God that we know this is at least what we should do or what's best or what's right or what's beneficial. Too often, that's how you live. Those two areas here is how you live a lifestyle of your Christian walk, a lifestyle of evangelism. This one here, your pain, that's like the diet, the fad, the New Year's resolution. That's the, well, something's gone wrong, so now I need to make a change. Hey, everything was all right, but now all of a sudden someone that I know is unwell, Jesus, I need a miracle, let's pray and fast. Do you get what I'm saying? It's, evan- it's, 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 it's not evangelizing, but then all of a sudden, maybe one of you, someone that's close to you has gone somewhere, they've left this planet, and you never mentioned Jesus to them, and all of a sudden you're like, my gosh, what have I been doing? Let's evangelize. Uh, maybe... Yeah, and it goes on and on. Maybe, you know, with you, you're turning up to church, all of a sudden, oh, I can do without church. And then so every, your world falls apart. Oh, I need to get back to church and get around different believers. Do you get what I'm saying? Your pain, responding from pain in your Christian practices is low level. It's good. Those things should happen. We do go into more prayer maybe when things go wrong. We, we do kick into extra years, but that shouldn't be the baseline of our Christian living. Our baseline of our Christian living should be from the, the passions on the inside of us and the principles in the Word of God. And as you do that, that's when you live a lifestyle of fruitfulness in your Christian walk. That's when you're witnessing to people and it doesn't matter what is going on in your world. That's when you're turning up to church, no matter whether the, you know, everything's hitting the fan when you, when you wake up and the kids are being a nightmare and this is all happening and you're feeling unwell. This is where you, you're just... Do what you know you're meant to do, and you're living a fruitful life regardless of what's going on. And I say that, let me just talk, before I get Jamie up, to give some, practice, some how-tos of evangelism. Is that, are you tracking with me so far? Yeah. We all good? Good. Let me just talk about this victory thing momentarily, because circumstances, I'm going to talk about negative circumstances for a moment. Negative circumstances can really take you out of the Christian game as, as much as anything can. Uh, I don't know about you, but it can cause you to lose your faith. When something's gone wrong, it's so easy to look in, focus on the problem, your mouth gets silenced, but your brain's going a million miles an hour. You can't stop thinking about what's going wrong and what could possibly go wrong because of that, and your prayer life diminishes. See, when a problem comes, we can either meditate on fear. That's what worry is. It's just pondering and speaking about the negative every step of the way. Going, this is wrong. This is a problem. This is what I'm worrying about. But you see, when faith kicks in, that's when prayer comes into the equation. And Cam was talking this morning how we need to get the Word of God and start speaking over our situations. See, God doesn't want to do everything for you. Do you know that? He's actually called you to do more for you than he's going to do for you. Let me explain a little bit. You know, when you're a, when you're a kid, your parents do everything for you, right? They feed you, 
They wipe your bottom. They tie your shoelaces. They, they do it for you. You say, I need my shoelaces done. Mom, Dad, can you do it for me? And they do it for you. But there's something wrong if you're sitting here today, actually every one of us in here today by the look of the age, uh, if your parents are still wiping your behind or if your parents are still tying your shoelaces. Is that right? It's not that they want your shoelace to be untied. It's not that they <laughs> don't want you to look after yourself hygienically. It's that they have empowered you and you now have what it takes from what they've given you to do it yourself. See, last year we talked about the fact that you are in Christ. That changes everything. We forget about that. Ephesians 1 says that every spiritual blessing in, under heaven and earth is yours in Christ Jesus. It's not because you're doing it on your own. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you've got it, what it takes on your own to do it. What I'm saying is that you are now in Christ and Christ is in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. That you have what it takes. That there's all these benefits that you can have, and one of those is living in a place that is victorious. God has not called you to be in a place that is defeated. Because when you live in a place that is defeated, all of a sudden you lose your focus of what's outward, and that's when the church starts dying from the inside, when it's all consumed about itself, when it's all about our problems, it's all about what's going wrong in our lives. You lose your, Jesus said, look up and see that the harvest is right. You can't reach people with the hope that you have, if you're looking down at all the problems on the inside of you. You'll never be free from problems. Even if today you think everything's good, tomorrow your world might fall apart. I don't know. It's just the way life works. Anyone that's over, I don't know, a certain age, or not anyone here will be able to testify that stuff happens in life. But if it takes your faith, if it takes your focus, then what it does it is... It takes the ability for you to be fruitful and reach other people. And that is the purpose that we're on this planet for. Not only that, man, I tell you what, Jamie's going to touch on this, but it's not a very attractive lifestyle to those looking in if you're always doom and gloom and if you're just can't get victory in your life. It's like, hey, guys, yeah, you can have what I have if you want. But, and they're like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, mate. Like, I think I'll just stick with what I have. And so we need to be living in this place of victory. And you see, God calls us, I, I just want to say this, that I think Kem's absolutely right, that we need to fight for that victory. We need to step into that victory. It doesn't fall on your lap. You don't just all of a sudden, something happens and all of a sudden you just have victory on the inside. No, it takes you laying hold of what God has already given you and speaking that over your world. I mean, during this week, I was feeling some resistance about some of our Africa plans. You know, see, when you're walking with the Spirit, He'll show you stuff. And, and I, was, I was sort of, my prayers were pretty defeated. Who knows you can pray in, in defeat? You can, your prayers can be prayers of defeat. Mine were, they're sort of like, oh God, you know, help me, Lord. Like, make the, I, I said this, I'm like, God, make the path straight for us. Like, raise the, raise the valleys and... And, and throw down the mountains, Lord. We need some breakthrough in, the, in these areas. And I felt a very simple reply from Jesus, and it was, you do it. You do it. And he said that to me a few times when I've asked him to do things that he's given me the power and the authority to do. Instead of just sitting there moping, going, God, would you do something in my life? You know? And so all of a sudden, I got up, and I went up, put some music on, and I just started speaking. I didn't feel like it. I didn't have faith for it. 
But I started speaking over my life. I started speaking over my situation. I said, I said you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm victorious in Christ. I said, God, you have called us to this. This is going to be an incredibly fruitful thing. This is a God-ordained thing. God, we have the victory. I just speak to every mountain that it's moved out of our path. I speak to every valley to be raised up. And I just declare that the devil's defeated and that Jesus is for us. And I just started speaking. And all of a sudden, faith is rising up on the inside. No circumstances had changed yet. But everything had changed because my perspective changed. And all of a sudden, I'm living in a place that's victorious and I've got faith and I'm believing that all things are possible again, not just wondering where the next breakthrough and sort of wondering and, and playing and hoping that something's going to get done. You've heard the, the, the uh, saying that uh, speak, to, speak to your mountain, not about your mountain. You know, Jesus said, if you have faith, you can even speak to this mountain and it will be removed from here. I at one time tried to move Narara Mountain when I was a young creature, a uh, young Christian, not a young creature. <laughs> and um, I tried to move Narara Mountain. It was out my window. I'm like, you know, I can do that then. If Jesus said I can do it, I'm going to do it. And I kept looking out each day to see if it was moved. That's not what God was talking about. He's talking about challenges, whatever's in your road, things that are stopping you. You can speak to it, not speak about it. When you're speaking about your problem, you're given way to fear and doubt, and, you're com- and, and that's, compl- that's what complaining is. Oh, this is happening. Oh, that's happening. And, you, and you're thinking over it. That's worry. You're thinking. You're worrying. It's all the worst-case scenarios are going on. All the, the impossibilities are filled in your head. But Jesus said, speak to the mountain, not about the mountain. See, Israel spoke about Goliath. David spoke to Goliath. I thought that was powerful. Israel, I, I don't have it on here, but I actually did jot it down here somewhere. Israel said, it says, as soon as the, army, the Israel army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. They're talking about him. They, they, and they're, they're hoping that something's going to change. God's going to do something or someone else is going to do something. But God's called you to do something about your life. You have the victory. You heard the scripture before. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror. Not you will be, not you could be. You are. And that is the place that you can speak into your world about. But David spoke to Goliath. He said, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's army, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I'll give you the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. I just think that's like, oh, how good is that? Like no man living and breathing would not get stirred by that. I pray and hope that someone makes an actual true depicted movie about David because I just think it's amazing. What are you, are you speaking about your mountain or are you speaking to your mountain? That's what I want to challenge you with today. God has called you not to just pray as you go along in the car, not just you know, have a little wishy-washy prayer here and there, but to get aside and start speaking the goodness of God over your life. And he will give you the scriptures that you are to declare over your situation. He will give you the words that you need. Sometimes we endure circumstances and we need to rise above it, but other times you need to actually deal with it and cut the head off that thing and feed its carcass to the birds. That's what you can do to the problems in your world with the, with the power of your spoken word over your situation. And so I just wanted to say that in the context of evangelism as well, that we can't be the defeated crew. No one has time for that. 
No one wants what we have if we're living in defeat. Not only that, you can't afford to live in a place any longer if you have been about just looking into it and going, well, everything's wrong, and I've got no faith. We can live above our circumstances in a place of victory if we want to lay hold of what God has given us, and we can live a fruitful, outward-looking life at the same time. You can lead hundreds of thousands of people to Christ if you go hard, no matter what's going on. Some of the greatest, most fruitful Christians in the world have been fruitful in the midst of the greatest challenges that they've been facing. And so it's not enough for us to, we, we, no longer, I think, as a church, can we let problems keep us inward looking. Let's allow God to stir our hearts, look up, look up. You can deal with those at the same time. Speak to your situation and look up at the same time. You don't have to have one or the other. It's not just you, wait for everything to be perfect before we make a difference. You can make a difference in your workplace. In fact, you must make a difference in your workplace. That is the only way that the church is going to continue to be in a place of influence and get to a place of greater influence is if the body of Christ is doing what God called it to do, and that is reaching people, spreading the love of Jesus, being a light in a dark place, living victoriously, just getting out there and making a difference in the sphere that you are in. You have what, you've got what it takes right now. You don't have to wait till later. You have what it takes to get out and be the light on a hill, a bright and shining light. And so I want to encourage us that this is the year that we step up, not because we're reminded every week, but because we get a revelation that we are called to give people the reason for the hope that we profess. We are called to go and make disciples, and you can do it in your workplace. And someone that's been doing that really effectively is my wife. And, uh, you know, we've got big hours, I mentioned last week here this morning, been in church for six months from uh, just Jamie... Being around people and being a great witness, how long were you working together before you ended up coming to church? Three months, totally. And how long were you working with Sarah before she came? Um, three. three years. How long was it? How long did it take between someone, by the time someone first shared the gospel with you to the point that you made a decision to follow Jesus? Do you, does anyone know? Can anyone give me that answer? Do you know that? Yeah? 14 years? <laughs> That's a long time. Anyone else know? Or you don't know or you're too shy? For me, it was a year and a half. And so it's not something that happens overnight, but Jamie's been slowly but surely in a relational way making a difference, and there's some great stories there. And so I've just asked her to share five keys that she feels have been really useful for her uh, in making a difference in her workplace. And so why don't we give her a big hand this morning as she comes and does that.